Hello and welcome to Tarvalon Talks. We have a very special episode for you coming up. But first I wanted to introduce you to Lily from our Servant of All committee and she's going to tell us a little bit about our April Servant of All focus for the month. Hi Lily, how are you? Um, uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, I'm Lily. I am actually the Servant of All coordinator. Uh, everyone else works under me and IE everyone else works and I just kind of go, oh, okay, that sounds <laughs> yeah. like a good idea. <laughs> yeah. She just like, good job. Pat on the back. <laughs> yep. Uh, our focus for April is actually on pets, specifically getting your pets spayed and neutered. That's a really good cause. As I say, as my cat gets up in my face. <laughs> well, every year in, in America alone, there are somewhere around, I believe they said 4.7 million, oh no, 6.3 million animals that enter oh, the shelter. That's a lot. And there aren't as many in Canada, of course, but nearly half of those animals that enter the shelter are considered youths. They're kittens, they're puppies, they're, they're juveniles. And that is a lot of kittens and puppies. And this comes from animals not being spayed and neutered. And it also, uh, well, there's also the fact that, especially with cats, having a feral cat population can decimate wildlife, especially birds. Yeah, I think pet cats are responsible for more bird deaths than anything else. Yes. And more and more lately, shelters who can't handle the load are doing what they call TNR, Trap Neuter Release. So if they find that a cat has been brought in or is trapped by them and was in an environment where it was actually healthy, even though it didn't have a home, they neuter or spay the cat, release it back out because the cat is actually not in danger. They don't feel the need to make them have a home. Yeah. And this is actually reducing feral cat populations. There are there are colonies of cats in almost every city in the world. And there are numerous places that actually work to do TNR operations with feral cats to try to reduce the population. And they've been very successful in reducing their populations. So yeah, so the less babies they're being put out, so the less traffic in the animal shelters. I did look up the statistics on how many of those animals are unfortunately euthanized. And for the last two years, it's actually only been 10%. That's actually lower than what I thought. It's actually at an all-time low. That's really good. Yeah, because... Um, while there are uh, 6.2 million animals going into the shelter, the number of animals going into shelters each year is actually dropping. That's good. You think that the tag neuter release is helping with that? I believe so, yes. It's become a big push. All, uh, I mean, you can, you can throw a rock at 
at Twitter and hit three TNR tweets. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same on TikTok. I think I think I follow like five different TNR uh, cat people, and like they have their colonies and they've named all of them, and I think it's really cool. Yeah, and I know I know people who are trying to start retirement homes for cats because they're like, hey, you know, these cats they get old in the shelter because older cats are also in danger of being euthanized because they are so old or they're or shy cats or dogs nobody wants to look at them they want a kid oh yes or a puppy yes when i went to adopt my gingy he was from the humane society and he was being sponsored by PetSmart, so he was at their store and i went in and I was filling out the paperwork to adopt him. And while I was waiting to see if we could pick him up that night, because it was Christmas Eve, some guy walked up to the window and says, I don't see a cat. And I said, oh, he's up in there. Isn't he beautiful? And he goes, oh, that's a grown cat. That's not a kitten. I don't want a full grown cat. And I'm like, you ain't getting him anyway. I'm adopting him. <laughs> That's my cat. My cat. My cat. And, uh, oh, why wouldn't you? I, I love Gingy. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want him? <laughs> we did have to teach him how to become a lab cat. And now he's 18 pounds of love. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's very important to... Um, have your cat spayed or neutered not only because it reduces the stray population because all it takes is one time of of you know mr chester getting outside and you've got how many however many females are available and in heat you're gonna have have a passel of puppies or kittens there you know and a lot of people will uh surrender their female cats if they get out and get pregnant yeah so when i was in high school we had a cat show up on our doorstep that was pregnant and we live sort of out in the country and we think somebody dumped her on the side of the road most likely yeah but it also reduces uh let's see here for female cats it reduces types of cancers they can get or vulnerable to for male animals it reduces the male uh tendency to wander because they're driven by hormones to find mates yeah so you know you don't have them finding accidents in the road or or you know getting hurt some other way or coming down with other communicable diseases because they get fights with other cats and stuff like that it it protects your animals from all of that and it reduces the load on shelters and wildlife. It's one of my pet projects is helping the local shelters and making sure cats are spayed or neutered or no pun intended. Oh every pun intended. <laughs> oh every pun intended that that always be proud of your puns. <laughs> so uh what all do you have planned to do this month? 
as far as fundraisers and awareness projects? Well, there will be awareness posts, but at this time, we're not doing a specific fundraiser. We will be giving tips on how to help your local TNR rescue or animal shelter. What we're actually raising funds for this at this time is another type of baby, a human baby, specifically ones that are premature and in NICUs. One of our members actually founded a nonprofit that puts together kits to help parents and babies in NICUs get through the difficult time. That's really sweet. Uh, yeah, and you can find that post also in the Servant of All forum, uh, David's Nightlights. Laura started the the foundation after she lost her little one and she wanted his life to make a difference. And we're trying to help by raising enough. Well, it's uh, don't it will be donations of actual goods from a wish list enough to bring four big baskets to the NICU for for families. Is there anything else you want to tell us about for the Servant of All this month? Uh, Another project that we do have going on is the team has decided that they really like the read-alongs that they started in February. They had a lot of fun with those and they're going to be continuing them in future months so you can watch out for that. Or they continue with the same, the, the Black History, or they're going to find a different theme? They're going to try to have them match our monthly themes as much as possible. Okay. So that people can learn about different things. But a lot of focus will be on how to not be a bad human being. <laughs> how to be a better human being. I would hope that we can we all try to be the best human beings. If we don't, then I will be greatly disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want Lily to be disappointed with you. No. (laughs) Because, you know, everybody, everybody in the world, everybody, no matter what they think or what they feel, they're all the reason that somebody smiles every day. So, you know, they they need to be good and and know that, that, uh, you know, there's something special about them. Well, thank you for joining us, and I hope to talk to you again thank soon. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Is there anything else you want to say to our listeners? Any parting thoughts or other things coming up soon? No, just remember, have your pets spayed and neutered. <laughs> Do the Bob Barker. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Hi, and welcome to a very special episode of Tarvalin Talks with the entire Tarvalin Talks team. We have gotten a hold of the pilot episode of Wheel of Time. This is a very special TV episode, straight to TV episode that was filmed a few years ago, and it has not been widely publicized. And while the graphics aren't as good as today's technology, it still deserves our time and attention. So without further ado, we enter here our cinematic critique of Winter Dragon. Okay. As some parts of you guys might know, there is a part of the Wheel of Time fandom, I believe it's the Facebook fandom, where any time that Winter Dragon is brought up, everybody who sees the post has to do a shot. So 
in keeping in the spirit of that, we are all going to do a shot and probably continue to drink during this podcast. So, cheers, guys. Slanja. 911 is on speed dial. So, the opening, like, we hear the prologue, kind of. It gave me very strong, like, early 2000s TV show vibes. It reminded me a lot of, like, uh, The Lost World, which I used to watch religiously on TV. And not gonna lie, like, I'm kind of here for it. I enjoyed it. (laughs) It reminded me of video game intro, kind of. Just painting kind of a backdrop of everything that's going on up until the point that we enter on the episode. I was actually really surprised to learn that it had been made, like, in the early teens, I thought, because it, it had such strong, like, early 2000s vibes. The intro, I believe, is, is remarkably similar to the intro of the video game, which came out in 1999. It, it pretty much is. I actually do really like that they have the logo as a wheel, and they have the uh, chapter intro pictures along the side of the wheel. I thought that was a nice touch. I did actually think that was a nice homage to the book. Yeah, and like the super cool graphics, like sort of turning into the logo and becoming the wheel. What was that wheel filled with, by the way? It was a mysterious, murky, purple substance. Is that our pool of Sidene? Maybe. So they did mention in the intro about channelers of the true power versus channelers of the one power. That's a little bit of a liberty for uh, for the TV show. It's not wrong entirely. I mean, that is kind of how the end of the series ends up, in a sense. Yeah, I was just surprised to hear a true power reference that early. Like, minute zero, basically, yeah. Yeah, it's something I associate with the back half of the series and is kind of, like, sprinkled throughout. And I was, like, like you said, Dahl, I was like, it makes sense. It's probably not inaccurate. It just surprised me to hear. This is the true power is what caused the more power to begin because Lanfear was digging for this new source of power she had discovered, and by doing so, she bore into the whole the Dark One's prison, and this power that she had discovered was actually the true power. So, it's not wrong. Oh, spoilers. Wait, no, that's not really a spoiler. I mean, I feel like, at this point, we should say this episode is just going to have spoilers for the entire series, (laughs) because (laughs) covering our bases here. Yes, our our alcohol-fueled bases, we cannot be held responsible for our spoiler versus (laughs) non-spoiler reactions. Sorry. So yeah, it's not entirely wrong. It's an interesting choice of words, but not wrong. I feel like they probably wanted to give fans a lot to debate when they watched this. They thought, how can we make this show more controversial? I don't think that was what was going on in their heads at all. I think it was just put something out so we can keep the rights. Note that they were putting out the best product they could. It was a very high quality product. Well, you know me. I would watch it. I, I mean, I think the highest quality part of this, of, of Winter Dragon, is the opening credits in which the names of the producers and the actors are overlaid over out-of-focus slow-motion shots of the set and wild camera pans where you can see the castle where Luz Theron and Ishamayel confrontation. For what it is, the set looks great. It's quite pretty. We get a, a nice call out to Billy Zane, who plays Ishamayel, because that's absolutely how I picture Ishamayel when I read the books. <laughs> and an actor who plays Luz Theron, whose name at the moment escapes me. 
I don't think he has any other credits on IMDb. So. You know, he really went for it in this episode. But I was wrong. Max Ryan is a loose thread, and he has 26 credits, mostly extras on things as Sex in the City 2 and Rage and The Hunchback. You know what? Good for you, Max Ryan. You go, Max Ryan. Yes, you go, Max Ryan. You know, Billy Zane is a Shamael. He does your favorite thing a few times during the episode, if you caught it. He just calls him Luz. He does? He does. I don't remember that. It happens at least once. No. Yes. I heard uh, Luz Thren call his son Luz Jr. Yes, Luz Jr. exists. <laughs> Let's talk about his children. Because uh, in the actual prologue of the book, they're not really mentioned outside of that he has children. And Luz Theron at this point is ancient. He's, he's a few hundred years old, I think. So his children are probably adults. I would say that the Winter Dragon children are kind of just made up for the episode. You know, to really drive home the really, really bad thing that they're going to reveal later in the episode. Even though we think that his kids are a little younger in Winter Dragon than they are in actuality, I still hold deep in my heart that he actually has a son named Luz Jr. Luz Jr. I am made so mad by that name. I am so angry. You don't think that's what he would name his son? And they probably call him Little Luz. Little Luz. <laughs> <laughs> what were the other kids' names? I don't remember. Did we hear any of the other kids' names? I don't think we did, because all we heard about 30 times was, Ilyana! Ilyana! No, no, he called out every single one of the kids. There were four of them, I think. Three or four. They might have gotten names. I don't think I was invested enough for names, though. Well, none of the names were memorable enough for the very little time that we saw them. If we had gotten the whole series, I'm sure that we would have, you know, had flashbacks and things where you actually start to feel for the kids, where you recognize their faces and know their names beyond just Lou's Jr. And then the costumes, the amazing like Colonel Sanders suit that he was wearing. Well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta remember, Lou's Theron is of the light, so he has to wear white. Light is white. Uh. Right? I'm not agreeing with that statement. <laughs> because, because Ishamael comes in and he's wearing black. Remember, it's the light versus the dark. At least Luz Theron's costume didn't have the very silly thumb holes that Ishamael's costume did. He had thumb holes? I didn't notice. Mm -hmm. He was wearing like some kind of undershirt that you would wear like to yoga with the thumb holes. They're utility thumb holes. I did not notice the hands. You were just too focused on Billy Zane's smile. Yes, and his amazing performance. I mean, obviously, Ishamael, in all of his emo boy glory, shops at Hot Topic. Clearly. That's where he got the cloak with the hood. That's where he gets his top that has the thumb hole. And, you know, that's how he channels all of the, the darkness and, and the dark one and the true power that's flowing through him into his Hot Topic clothing. I'm, su I'm surprised he's not whip whipping his hair to the side as he's talking to Luz. So the children did have names. They were Shayla, Luz Jr., and Skaya. They really tried hard with the girl names, and then they just phoned it in with Luz Jr. Well? Also, again, Luz Theron is his first name. His first name is not Luz. No, those are his first two names. It's Luz Theron Telemon, two given names, 
he earned a third one, and then he got the name Dragon in the battle. Theron could just be like a middle name. Like, it was his first and last name. That is a thing. In the Age of Legends, you had your given name, and then you could earn a third or fourth name. So first name, surname, earned name? Your um, title, basically, or your third name. It's something I have to look up. It's been a long time, but he earned Telamon as a third name. So his given name was Luz Thren, Luz Thren, and then Telamon was his honorific. That makes me a little bit less mad about Luz in episode eight and Luz Jr., but like it just sounds so wrong. Like I have some friends who I address by their full name, and whenever anyone only addresses them by their first name, it sounds wrong. It's the same thing with Luz Theron. He's Luz Theron. That sounds like a you problem. <laughs> I'll own that. <laughs> anyway, we have Colonel Luzthren and his children that he's looking for. Can't find them anywhere. But he keeps finding these dolls all around the house. Foreshadowing, right? I, they're just dolls. Some of them are a little dirty, but they're just dolls. Foreshadowing, right? Am I right? What? what are you talking about foreshadowing? They're just dolls. And then we get Billy Zane. Good old Billy Zane. Billy Zane as a Shamael. I feel bad because the guy who played Luz Theron legitimately tried at the role. Like, he legitimately put effort into delivery of his lines. And we have Billy Zane come in, and they were just like, Ah, you're Billy Zane. Just wing it. And a lot of his lines sound very under-delivered. Just straight up. It actually, the way that he delivered his lines, just like the, the cadence and all of that, kind of reminded me of a stage play. Not that I've seen him in theater, like, I haven't, but that's just the feeling that I got watching him perform. Yeah, I can see that. I totally agree, Fania. Like, so Max Ryan, which Dahl very helpfully looked up, is the actor who's playing Luz Theron. And I agree with you, Thad, he's going for it. He's giving us energy. He's giving us in-character moments. Like, he's really trying. And then Billy Zane is doing a high school production of Hamlet? But, like, the, like, second day of rehearsal, where he's just looked at the script and memorized his lines, maybe memorized his lines, for the first time. Well, with some of the pronunciation of things, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> the definitive pronunciation of Ace today, obviously the correct pronunciation. My soul has left my body. I don't know why the Amazon show didn't, didn't go with that pronunciation. Exactly. Pay attention, Amazon. This is where it's at. This is where it's at. In fact, wasn't one of the executive producers, one of the guys working on the show, dude, where's your values? You, you just, you, you turned heel on us. You went and you changed. You buckled to the pressure of everybody online and you decided to go with the wrong pronunciation. Come on. We could have had more Winter Dragon and instead look at what we got. I know, God, who, Rosamund Pike, who, who asked for that, right? Right, we could have had Billy Zane. She's too tall. She's too tall. We need someone shorter. She's too tall. What is the, like, she's almost as tall as Rand. What is up with that? And her horse, it isn't even short. I remember what the first book's cover looked like. And she is a short woman on a short horse next to a tall man on a tall horse. And that's not what I got from Amazon show. Where is Lan's plate armor? <laughs> yeah, in full plate armor. <laughs> Come on, Amazon. Hashtag justice for Lan. Um, I do have one quibble with Winter Dragon so far as we have gone through the episode. I was led to believe that Ileana was sun-haired, and this actress is definitely a brunette. So, you know, guys. It is a cloudy day. No, no, sun-haired, but 
foreshadowing. This is clearly a high budget production, and I don't understand why they didn't have a budget for a wig. They needed to get a wig on that Ileana. It was written into the actress's contract that she wouldn't wear a wig, so they were just stuck with her natural hair color. I guess that worked for Harry Potter, so that can work for for Wheel of Time as well. I'll forgive it. But he called her son here. He does. He does call her son here. Like, it's it's in the script. Although, to be fair, I had golden blonde hair as a kid, too. And look, mine is green now. Hair color changes as you get older. You know what, fair. Doll, I've known you for, like, 14 years. I don't think I've ever seen a color on you other than green. You've seen other colors, <laughs> just not natural ones. <laughs> Hair color changes, but monikers are forever. This is true. So one thing that I do appreciate about this is, you know, it's the prologue. It's it's the lead up to the eye of the world. And they did an actually pretty okay job of the actual dialogue throughout the entire episode, showcasing Lou's descent into madness, they kept a lot of the original dialogue from the book in the episode. They, they, you know, they changed some stuff here or there, but a lot of it was just they pulled dialogue straight from the book and just kind of repeated it verbatim, which, hey, Amazon show ain't got uh, a candle lit to that. It's true. I did actually, when I was watching Winter Dragon in preparation for this podcast, also pulled out my copy of Eye of the World and was following along in the prologue as to where they were in the dialogue. Because it's just that dead on so you know book cloaks if you're out here wanting a one-to-one comparison between the books and the show boy do we have the episode for you it's so good you just gotta watch it mm-hmm. you can find it on youtube all you gotta do is google winter dragon wheel of time and it will pop right up for you if you need if you need lose theron staring aggressively into a mirror we've got you covered Everyone needs that. But that mirror isn't just a mirror, because when he looks in it, suddenly he has a beard. Strange. And everything's a little more dirty. It's almost like the world around him shifted, and and Lou's buddy is not so happy about it. I wonder why. Yeah, um, because good old Ishamayel is... What's he trying to do at this point? He's... I guess he's trying to uh, turn Lou's Theron over to the dark, one could say. Or maybe he's pitying him. He's trying to get him to remember. He's trying to remember. I mean, I kind of thought that he just wanted to rub everything and lose Theron's face. He wants him to remember. He says so, with honestly less emotion than you said so, doll. <laughs> he said, remember. I'm genuinely not sure there's that much acting going on. You might be right. He said it really loudly. I, I, I think it's something along the lines of, remember yeah, he also did the vulcan mind meld he did because he was rem- remember remember rem- remember remember he was showing lose theron the truth what is actually going on because what what is what has lose theron been doing this whole time running around screaming his wife's name i th- i think i think we're up to like 25 ilianas at this point Ileana. looking for looking for the children he keeps finding dolls on the floor that he keeps picking up. Like, how many dolls do these children have? Way too many. Well, you know what? For Luz Theron, not enough. You know, rich kids, they've got everything. Luz Jr. gets a doll a day. Easily. Well, when your house is that large, you need enough dolls for every room. Otherwise, it's just going to feel empty. 
Um, we get some some spinny camera action during the reveal where Luz Theron remembers, which, you know, it's very in keeping with how we get spinny camera action in episode seven and eight when Rand remembers everything. Um, I'm sure that Rafe and the Amazon showrunners did take some inspiration from that. And they were like, aha, this is a motif that works. If it works, it works. Yeah, you know, it's not problem. Yes, and then, bam, all of the dolls suddenly turn into dead people. So he's been picking up dead people this whole time. He he definitely picks one up at one point, and like I have to just wonder about the physics of that. Exactly how physically strong is Luz there? Because he picks one of those dolls up and is just holding it in his hand. Listen, he's the dragon. We don't need to explain anything. He's the dragon. True. You know what? You're right. How dare I question Luz there and Telemann? Right? I mean, remember, we see him channeling lightning in this episode. That's right. And when he remembers, he gets the, like, dragon wings out of lightning. Like, the high-quality effects that we could have had if Amazon had given us the budget. Like, super high-quality. No expenses spared. Incredibly high-quality. One billion dollar lightning wings. Good job. Amazon could never. Any Instagram influencer would be jealous of these wings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Billy Zane has shown up, and he's just like, I'm Billy Zane. No, actually, I'm Ishamael. No, he's Billy Zane. He's definitely Billy Zane. He's Billy Zane, yeah. Uh, this is another turning of the wheel, by the way. Yep. And he has spent the entire time at this point trying to get Luz Theron to remember so he can be like, ha bitch. And now Luz Theron remembers that he sees Elena and he starts screaming for help in a way that I find is like one of the few moments where I'm like, Max Ryan, get you, you should have done another take. Because the way that he yells at the light is not like, light, help me, which is like, you know, if you were in shock or whatever, he's like, light, help me. As if it is like a physical human being who is standing right next to him, who is should be assisting him right now. Well, to be fair, to be fair, he is completely taken by the madness of the taint at this point. So, one could surmise that he sees the light as a physical embodiment to help him. Thank you very much. Yeah, and the light is just standing there like a thunderstruck deer. Just, I don't know what to do. The light is like, bye Felicia, you've been taken by the taint. I'm going elsewhere. The crater's like deuces about. The light is just up and out of there. Yeah, speaking of the taint, Billy Zane helpfully explains the taint and the breaking caused by the acidae. The one true pronunciation. And he does he does offer to bring Ileana back. He's like, yeah, the dark one could bring her back if you want me to. And he's just chilling, I believe on like a half wall, just watching Luz there and have a mental breakdown. This is the foreshadowing, because she didn't have sun hair, and now she comes out in dark-cut clothing, and you just see her with that dark, sultry look like, yes, Luz, come to the dark side. Look, she looks really hot, okay? Like, I know I have, like, a villain complex. Fenya can attest I have a villain complex, and especially for evil women, but, like, when she walked out, I was like, damn, Ileana, get it, girl. Like, darkness is looking good on you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you're saying that this is the dark universe, Ileana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's like, she, she, she's like, come to Thakandar, forge your sword with me. She's entering her Hot Topic era. 
the camera cut away when she was she was she was kind of doing the the hair flip kind of emo. Although, to be fair, emo girls couldn't really flip their hair because they had five pounds of hairspray in them. That's very true. Yeah. So you guys have been saying that that Louis Theron is claimed by the madness. He does seem very. I mean, once once like evil Ileana comes out, he does seem to sober up. Unlike all of us. He becomes very lucid. He's he's in that moment of lucidity before, you know, we've all read the prologue. We know what happens. And you know what? <laughs> that don't happen here. It doesn't happen here. The Winter Dragon doesn't know what happens, but we do. <laughs> but he, he does say, light forgive me, in the most deadpan way possible. And, like, I understand being in shock. I understand he's gone through a lot. He was running around his house for about 50 minutes looking for his wife and his children and then turned out they were dead but he definitely is just like light forgive me light forgive me light forgive me bye and it was a lot and by a lot i mean nothing at all he takes a dagger and he slow-mo walks up a set of stairs with a knife with the whole like intention of oh i'm gonna go upstairs and kill myself deal with it Upstairs and play snakes and foxes. And give little Luz Jr. a fist bump. <laughs> he, he picked the wrist up off the floor and fist bumped it. I guess they fist bumped in the Age of Legend. Glad to see that survived. It's canon now. It was way cooler to raise a mountain than walk up a, a set of stairs and gut yourself with a knife. Yep. Yeah, I, I guess in the Winter's Dragon universe, there is no dragon mount. Or that's something they were going to explain later on. Like, he already created it in his madness. Now this is, like, phase two. What if in episode one of Winter's Dragon, The Wheel of Time, as presented by Larry Mann Dragoran, we get to see in the first seconds Dragon Mount Rising? That would be cool. That would be very cool. Um, I do also want to call out that Ishamael, the way that he is calling for Luce Theranus, Luce Theranus, slow-mo walking up those stairs with, I believe, a choir... From what I remember, my drunk brain could be misremembering that or overlaying it because I think it would be effective. But the way that he is calling after Luz Theron is with the most emotion that Billy Zane has put into any line and about the same level of emotion that Luz Theron was putting into when he was calling for Ileana. So love triangle. I believe it. He was like a hurt girlfriend trying to win the man back. He was. He was like, why would you kill yourself for this? golden-haired silly wife of yours who don't even, doesn't even have golden hair when you could have me hot topic ishamael <laughs> am i not good enough for you loose theron Re- remember early in the earlier in the episode he's trying to convince him you sat in the hall of servants you wore the ring of tamerlan you defeated me at the gates of of uh what was it parandison that was literally more acting. Again, more acting than Billy Zane does for those all, any of those lives. Is it Ishamayo or Demon Dread that was always competing with Demon Demon Dread. Demon Dread is the one who is always competing because nothing will ever eliminate Demon Dread's out of the blue show up in the last battle, yelling for Luz Theron <laughs> for presumably a day and a half. Rand unaware, completely unaware that Demon Dread exists, let alone is at the last battle. Yeah, he walks in with the entire Sharon army and he goes, Luz Theron! And Rand is over there like, who's this Joker over here? <laughs> Rand is unaware completely. And then Demon Dread gets, after murdering one of the royal brothers and almost murdering the other, eventually gets killed by Lan. But like, Demon Dread is, we, can, we need to have a whole other podcast about how pathetic Demon Dread is. 
because he puts crazy ex-boyfriend to shame. <laughs> oh, by by a long shot. <laughs> yeah. Like, even Landfear's not that insane. At least Rand knew Landfear existed. Uh, what, you know what? Landfear turned somebody inside out when she found out that uh, Rand was messing around with other women. So, I feel like that that's kind of... Uh... I don't know. I think that Demondred wishes he was that cool. <laughs> Demondred just had to have a beard. He had, a, he had a, a wife or a girlfriend or whatever who's actually a beard. Because we all know he's in love with Luz there. Secretly, yeah. As Ishamael is in Winter Dragon. Yep. And I mean, we've seen Max Ryan, kind of a cutie. We've seen Ishamael on the Amazon show, like actually hot. And then Yosha, also super hot. So the more I watch the shows, the more I'm like, you know what, guys? I get it. I don't blame you for your weird, obs- weird obsession with these people. <laughs> They're hot. Um, and yeah, so the episode ends with a fade to white. And then the outro and incredible fire graphics. Just incredible fire graphics burning the dragon banner. Yes. The coolest graphics ever. Holy straight out of, like, I was trying to think of the visual effects software I had in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) It's like something off of a PlayStation 1 game. Yep. So let the dragon again ride on the winds of time. And then the very emotional appeal from Billy Zane that it will not be done until the end of time. Look, I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed this. (laughs) I don't think it was good necessarily, but like I had a lot of fun. Like no joke, no joke. I actually genuinely had a lot of fun watching this and I would probably seriously watch an entire show of this. I would not. (laughs) I remember watching this when it aired 2 a.m. I stayed up to watch this and I hadn't been drinking or anything. I had just... It was like 2, 2.30 in the morning after it aired. And I just, I did kind of like ask myself, what am I doing with my life right now? After watching that episode, because I was like, what the hell did I just watch? How did you know about it? Like, how did you? Because I was, you know, but because it was this thing that, it was this thing that had just popped up. People were kind of talking about it. Oh, did you hear there's going to be a Wheel of Time episode? It's going to be on in like the middle of the night. And we all watched it. I wasn't part of Tarvalon at that point. I think I was... There was another Wheel of Time community that I was posting in. I don't think it was Dragon Mount, but it was m- maybe something else. But afterwards, we were all like, did we all just have the same acid dream? I don't have that connection to Wheel of Time. I didn't start reading the books until... Like right before the show came out. Right before Winter Dragon? <laughs> yes, right before Winter Dragon. No, a couple of years after Winter Dragon. Actually, <laughs> actually, you did start reading the sh- the books right before Winter Dragon. Yeah, actually, you, you started reading them. You started reading them when we were roommates in 2008. Yeah, so so my, I guess it's true that, that my first sojourn into Wheel of Time predates Winter Dragon, predates the TV show. But I am like a dyed-in-the-wool Doctor Who fan, so I have a really, including the classic series, so I have a really high tolerance for campy, bad special effects, you know, bad writing, bad acting, all of that. Like, this is this is my bread and butter. Ah, I see you're also a fan of um, Airwolf. I haven't seen that, but I am a fl- fan of Blake Seven, which had similarly bad special effects. <laughs> no idea what they're talking about. Those are like... Late 90s, early 2000s, sci-fi, so on. You know, just TV shows that just 
They weren't great, but they were watchable, and that's what's important. And I think this would be watchable, too. <laughs> if if this had come out in, you know, 95 to, like, you know, 99, even, like, early 2000s, if this has come out any time before 2005, I would absolutely think that Winter Dragon was, like, on some level of watchable and some level of, like, halfway decent. The problem is that it came out in 2013. And at that point, like, there's no excuse for this other than we had no budget and we wanted to do a fantasy series that was on level with The Room, which if you guys have not watched The Room, please do yourself a favor and do so. No, no, no. Don't. <laughs> Do yourselves a favor. It's so good, guys. Don't watch it so Doll, you can cut this, but f- everything about that movie. So hard. Uh-uh. Nope. I love that movie. I love that movie in the same way that I like Winter Dragon, in that I like torturing people by forcing them to watch it. <laughs> I feel like if this episode, like you said, ni- early 90s, or late 90s, early 2000s, if this had come out before social media had really taken off, I feel like it would have held on a little bit better and entered that kind of shared nostalgia for it instead of <laughs> we all just get on social media and just crap all over it. Undeservedly. This could have been a cult classic. <laughs> it was obviously rushed. And if you guys haven't figured out yet that we, we were not entirely serious in our review of this. Except maybe Fenya. <laughs> yeah, except maybe Fenya. <laughs> I mean, look, I acknowledge that it's a cash grab. It it very evidently looks like that. It's not good by any, like, metric, but I just, I still really had a lot of fun watching it. Well, if you don't know the history, it's it was a rights grab. And I learned that, like, the next week. Red Angle Entertainment had bought the rights to all media based on the Wheel of Time. They had produced some comic books and their rights were expiring the day or maybe the week after this aired. It was basically, they had to produce something in order to hold on to the rights. And this happens a lot. You'll get movies produced in a franchise that are very obviously low budget, never really distributed. If you need a good example, Spider-Man is a perfect example of this. All of the Spider-Man movies, like, if you notice, one gets made about every five years because with the, I guess, all of the legal wording and everything, if they don't make a movie or do anything with the property in a, you know, this amount of time, rights revert back to Marvel. And Sony's like, well, we don't want that, so we will continue to do something every half decade Mm -hmm. so that we hold on to the rights of Spider-Man. So their options were expiring in the year that this was produced and they had to produce it and they had to publish it so basically they bought a half an hour on a low budget cable network in the middle of the night and they threw something up without telling anybody so this was produced for them to hold on to the rights and that's why you see larry mandragoran's name on amazon's because in the fight over this episode, the settlement included him having his name going forward, even though he doesn't necessarily have any input. And there is 
no doubt in my mind that Rafe and the Amazon showrunners, in particular Rafe and and Harriet and like the people who truly love and care about the Wheel of Time who are working on the Amazon show, were aware of the history behind Winter Dragon, have probably watched Winter Dragon at least once, if not more than. And I am confident that the because Winter Dragon exists, we didn't get anything like the prologue in the show. We got, you know, the version of the breaking. We get the reference to it in, the, in episode one in the cold open. We get the version of it in the um, the animated Am- or Wheel of Time Origins. And we get that other scene um, in the cold open of episode eight. But it's very clear that Rafe made a conscious decision that nothing, nothing that happened in the Wheel of Time TV show was going to look anything like Winter Dragon because of the fraught history behind this release and the production of it. And honestly, because it's just bad. Like, I'm sorry, Fenya. I know you like it. I don't know why, but it's bad. (laughs) No, I'm not denying that it's bad. Like, yeah, it is bad, but I still really had fun. I'm glad you had fun. I have fun making people watch it if they like Wheel of Time and being like, oh, you like Wheel of Time? Have you heard of Winter Dragon? By the way, we should all take a shot now. (laughs) To be fair, the first time you showed it to me, which I think was before I had finished reading the books, I did not like it as much. I was like, what is this crap? I don't understand anything that's going on. (laughs) But now that I've finished the series, I'm like, okay. You know, I could, I would watch a TV show based on this. I don't think it would be any good, but I would have a lot of fun doing so. Yeah. Okay. And I do think that Rafe's decision to not have anything like this was the right one. Like, I think that we had a much stronger first season because we didn't have this prologue. It's not a great introduction to, like, what's happening in the bulk of Wheel of Time, if you get it very first thing. Yep. Uh, so my theory for, for what Billy Zane did on set here is that he showed up, he got his script, he read through it twice, and he memorized exactly the lines that they were shooting in that particular second, said them with exactly no emotion, and then went and looked at his script to memorize the next lines, because it is truly, his acting is so bad. Just so bad. It's not great. We'll say that. But that's what makes it really fun. I really have to wonder how they got Billy Zane on that. He was probably 50% of production costs, right? if I had to guess. Probably. Him and the set. Either that or he's just knows somebody and was doing it on the lark. Maybe he's a Big Wheel of Time fan. No way in hell he is a Big Wheel of Time fan with that performance. <laughs> True. And not with saying Ace Sedei. Yeah, no. There's absolutely no way. Maybe he's a Wheel of Time fan, but he really hates Ishamael and was really peeved that that was the uh, part that he was given. I wanted to be loose Thrin. Yes. <laughs> I was hoping that I would get to be Rand, and instead <laughs> we don't we don't have any Rand in this episode. What's going on? I'm just going to phone it in. Yeah, that was the other right. Why in the world did they use the prologue? Because of the simplicity of the scene. Yeah. Yeah, it is two people, although they brought in random extras anyway. But in the original scene, it's only two people. We don't see Ileana. We don't see the kids. Well, we do see the dead bodies. We do, but they didn't have to make them not dead. That's true. 
But the extras, like, they don't really have lines per se. I mean, they might have a word or two, but, like, they don't have complicated lines. It's a very closed set. Like, there's just that one set piece as opposed to doing something in the two rivers, which would be a little more complex. They could have done the raven scene. It would have been as simple with a few more characters. I feel like ravens, like Winter Dragon, was not as well known as the prologue because it was originally only released in that YA version of the books. But at least would have introduced our principal characters and not the extraneous characters that we only really hear about in Legend. I mean, honestly, you could have done anything except what they did in Winter Dragon, and you would have been much better. Like the fan production of Thad's favorite scene, which is also on YouTube, of Rand and Matt going to the inn and Rand's first time channeling and blowing the wall off of the inn. Wait, 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 wait. There's a fan production of this? You haven't seen that? No. I thought I said that to you, Thad. Okay, Thad, after we're done recording, it's really good. It's like actually really good considering that it is produced with probably about as much budget as Winter Dragon and done entirely by fans for no profit. Like... I, this is this is me going on record saying, go search for, like, Wheel of Time fan scene. It came up when I was searching for Winter's Dragon. Yeah, it's really good and thought it's your favorite scene. So I've, I could have sworn I sent it to you after we recorded the episode where you talked about your favorite scene. Maybe you did. Maybe I'm just dumb. But I'll, I'll send it to you again. I am pretty dumb, after all. Only after, what, six beers? <laughs> You're, like, what, seven beers in at this point? No, four. Come on. Four. Okay, okay, Four. okay. My bad, my bad. Well, you're only dumb after six beers, so you're not dumb yet. Four pints of 16 ounces each, so you do the math. No, thank you. I was an English major. <laughs> 16 times four is 64. Oh, yeah, it is, because it's eight times eight. <laughs> anyway, it's good. Like, that's actually good, and is done way better than this. I just put a link in the chat, because I had it up earlier. We can put the link in the show notes. So in case y'all haven't caught on by now, happy April Fool's Day. This is in no way, shape, or form a serious analysis of Winter Dragon, starring, in case, again, you missed it, Billy Zane. I should note, if this is the first time you've ever listened to this podcast, please, for the love of the dragon, go listen to a different episode, because this is not what every episode is like. If you have any questions or topics that you would like us to talk about, feel free to send us an email to producertvt at gmail.com or you can join us on tarballin.net. All complaints about this episode will be filtered into the trash bin. In our general forums on tarballin.net, we have a special thread called Tarballin Talks pinned at the top of the page. You can also chat with us via tarballin.net's Discord server in the Tarballin Talks Discord channel. Thank you all. If you've managed to listen to the very end of this, we really appreciate it. And if you enjoyed us getting drunk on the air, please let us know. I think we'd be happy to do it again. Thanks. Peace. See you later, alligator. <laughs> Peace. Eliana. Eliana. <laughs> Remember.